Welcome to the Pods Kiwi Post Games Instant Reaction Show. The Ticats lose 28-8 to to the Argonauts on Labor Day and drop to 3-9 and on the season. They managed to score exactly zero points in the second half, uh, which was it's kind of normal for this season with the Ticats. Uh, Josh, you were at the game live. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, what do you take away from this one? Uh, uh, let me think. Nothing. I, I don't. I don't know, yeah. man. This yeah. is uh, th- this was one of the worst offensive performances I can remember from this team. Like I know we've, I know that that's probably it's not the the worst period. I'm sure that someone will point out a worse. I, I mean, lost, they, they lost to the Argos scored like forty eight nothing or something in a game. Yeah, they, they managed zero points on offense. So yeah. I mean, they got the rouge from the punt and then the the pick, pick six. six. So it's like, like terrible. The only drive that I remember being, aside from the very last drive of the game, the only drive I remember even coming close to gaining points was the one that ended on the the tip pick when I think it was, I think it was still tied eight, eight at the time. And I think McManus got his hands on it and it fell to that. God damn that Jamal Peters guy is a tie cats killer. What do you have five picks in the last two games against this team? Like, geez, he's just, he's killing it out there. Like, but I mean, I've been saying it for weeks now. This is a bad football team. And we saw now there's a lot, you can always make excuses. They were dealing with a rookie quarterback and, Whatever. They put the guys out on the field that, that if they're out there, they are supposed to be able to win football games. This team's just not very good. They have no spark offensively. The defense was fine for the most part. Like, when you look at some of the points they gave up, it was because the offense, the they, the, the uh, third down gamble that they absolutely botched led mm-hmm. to, I think, a touchdown. Uh, I think there was a interception or a fumble. I think it was an interception later that led to a touchdown. Like the, the offense to me bears the brunt of this. When you score eight points, which, and I had to look this up when I got home. Cause I was trying to think when's the last time they scored this few points on a labor day, 2006, dude, 2006, they lost the Argos 40 to six on labor day. And that was it during like the worst era of like kind of our lifetimes of tie cat football that, that mid two thousands that we always tend to bring up. Since then, it's it's aside from a 13-12 win, it's been it's been thirty twenty forty like they put up points on like the, they came out the, of the game and it looked as if the Labor Day atmosphere was going to will them to victory and then about a quarter into this you're like oh no this this is just a bad football team and they're they're gonna they're gonna lose and that's exactly what happened. Now they took out Jamie Newman at one point. Stupid. And I don't know. I. I didn't hear of any injury. I I thought they might have mentioned something on on the broadcast about an ankle, but he came back in later. So I just don't understand the logic behind this. I mean, he wasn't lighting the world on fire by any means, but he wasn't playing terribly either. And to put in, you know, Jalen Morton, a guy that wasn't taking any reps, um, you know, not, not with the first team as far as I know th- this week during practice, it just doesn't make sense to me. Are we just going to treat this like, are they treating this like the preseason? Cause that's what it felt like, right? Like you're shuffling it. And I mean, they, I know they've been doing this. It's one thing when you're doing it with Dane Evans and Matthew Schultz, two veteran guys, but when you're, you're, you just, you decide to go with a, a young guy, a rookie and Newman to start, just let him play. Like what, what did that do? It's, it's, I, he did as well as he could have. The game plan sucked. They, like it was, it was typical of what we've seen from this team, regardless of who's under center. So, I know I've I've personally given Dane Evans a lot of guff this year for how he's played, and and I I stand by a lot of that criticism. But then you see what they do when they have other quarterbacks in there, and you're just that this is a this is a systematic problem. This is this is a problem. Yeah. This is a problem of coaching. This is a problem of yes execution but it's to me it starts it starts with coaching the coach against team just is not good enough anymore and i was talking to my friends at the game about this we were talking about the defense because the, they gave up like a first down on like a second and 10 or something as the, the db was playing like 12 yards off the ball or whatever like it was just you know typical of what we've seen from this team all season and i had this kind of epiphany of like why was the defense so good in 2019 but now all of a sudden these last two years has looked kind of not civ like because I still think they, they do some stuff decently, but why have we seen these collapses, especially defensively? And I just gotta wonder, is is Washington's system set up for teams that are winning? You know what I mean? Like 
when yeah. you're up 20 points with four minutes left, you give up a, a three, you know, maybe a, a two and a half minute drive. Like it seems as if it's set up to make it's that it's that Greg Marshall bend but don't break defense where it's like, yeah, we'll let you pick up seven yards at a clip, but once you get into the red zone, you're you're toast. You're not you're gonna kick a field goal, but you're gonna have burned five minutes off the clock, but we're up. So like who cares? But now that they're down, they don't have an aggressive enough defense to where they can keep them in games, I guess, is 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 because like the offense was terrible, but the defense had their part in this too. Yeah, I think it's a combination of, you know, the defense um isn't playing as well recently because the offense stinks, right? And that and the defense is on the field a lot, a lot of the time, it seems. This season, at least. So they just, you know, there's that old saying, complimentary football. We're not seeing that at all this season for the man, from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So, you know, there's not much really to talk about offensively, defensively. I mean, the offense stunk. Um, there's not really many bright spots because the, it just seems like the offense shrinks so much when you got guys like, like the backups that come in, you know, the third string guys like Jamie Newman or, or Morton. I mean, it just seems like they're not really giving these guys a chance to do anything. No, but the receivers aren't helping them either. Like Steven no. Dunbar has a ball bounce. What off his shoulder that I believe went for an interception. Like you're the, the veterans of this team. And I know he's just a second year player, but he's a guy that has, <clears throat> pardon me, has been leaned on this season. Same with Tim white. It, like, like where's the veteran leadership to kind of rally these guys around? Like, like, you're not doing your rookie quarterback any favors by letting balls hit off you, deflect in the air, and get intercepted. Like that mm-hmm. type of stuff is that's that's killer too. You know what I mean? Like that it's you can't have that happen. Like there's so little on this team to be excited about throughout the rest of the season. Like they got what what now six games left. Yeah. Do you think this team like forget the playoffs? Like. If you're out there thinking this team's making the playoffs, like I want some of what you're on because there's no chance this team is making the playoffs. Is there a chance this team doesn't win another game this this season? Like, where is the hope? And if the team's going to treat this, and if they do, I don't. I would completely understand. Kind of treat these next six games like an extended preseason to get guys ready for next year to see who has it that they can bring back. I wouldn't blame them. But like, do you, like, is is this is it possible that we've seen the last Ticats victory of twenty twenty two? Because it's certainly, if you look at their schedule, show me show me the win. Because like Labor Day is usually a guarantee, right? Like maybe not a guarantee, but it's as it's as guaranteed as you get. And they came out and played maybe their worst game this year, which is saying something considering how bad they've been. I mean, it's certainly a possibility. Possibility the way they're playing, it's just especially if you know if, if Dane Evans or Matthew Schultz can't get back. Uh, you know, playing games for this team. I, I don't see them winning anything with Jamie Newman or, or Morton because it's just, it's just not working out uh, for them. And it wasn't working out for, for Dane Evans this season either. And it was, you know, Melchie Schultz showed some really good signs. And I think, you know, before he got injured in that game, I was ready to be like, yeah, let's ride with Matthew Schultz now. But I, you know, I just, I think maybe we could win a couple more, but other than that, you know, I don't, think this team is going to go on this stretch and we talked about you know these these six games in the middle of the season well now now it's done and i think we went what one and five or something like that uh, so two and four they went two and four two and four yeah so it's just it's we, we we had to win these games we had to be above 500 in this six game stretch especially you know playing the team we were playing the argonauts and the alouettes and they failed miserably so uh yeah it's uh it's over and i, I wouldn't blame them if it's if it's time to, you know, evaluate some talent. And and we haven't talked in a little bit, but I think I think one of the main reasons why Dane Evans went downhill so quickly this season is he doesn't have the guys that he relied on in the past years. Like mm-hmm. we, we kept Raylan Addison around and I thought that was a great move, but then he got injured, right? And mm-hmm. we just saw the connections that they had before Addison went down. He Dane Evans leans on him heavily. And I'm sure he leaned on Speedy B heavily in the in the past season. So with those guys gone, I think that's a big factor in why we've seen such um a drop off in Dane Evans' play. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. I think that this goes back to the point I was making. There's a like a lack of like there, there's a veteran void here somewhere. Like I understand that, that, you know, Evan's got the big contract. So you had to make cuts elsewhere. I'm, I'm, I, 
can't, we, we can't lie. We're not going to sit here and lie to the audience. When Banks was let go in the winter, we were all for it. I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, look at the game he had today. Did he really have that great a game today? Honestly, like, yeah, he had a couple of touchdowns. He had one big catch early in the game. But it's not as if he was out there torching them for 60 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, Brandon Banks at this point in his career is who he is. Maybe he gets a couple plays here and there, but he's he's not that reliable weapon. But what he was was he was a veteran. Maybe not – I know that there's some – talk about you know he wasn't exactly the most mature player and all that other sort of stuff but he it's a veteran presence a guy that you know if it's second and seven we need a first down where's Braylon where's Speedy one of those guys is going to find a soft spot to get open to extend the drive who's the guy that does that now like you can't rely on these guys to catch passes the run game is non-existent and the run game does go non-existent especially when you're down by 20 points of course it Mm -hmm. does but like where's Where's the like? Did my thinking is that you and I, as well as the team and a lot of fans, really overestimated how good these younger players were going to be. Mm-hmm. We were high on Tim White. We were high on Stephen Dunbar. We were high. And he's not really a young player, but we were high on Lamar Durant. And I know the numbers are going to say like, I mean, Dunbar started fantastically. Tim White's in top ten in receiving yards, but. Don't those feel like hollow numbers to you? Like, yeah, that they look good on a stat sheet, but when it game in, game out, do you not feel as if there's just no where's that go-to guy? Where's that guy that, like I said, second and seven, let's look his way. He's gonna find the soft spot, he's gonna get open, he's gonna pick up a first down. They don't have that guy anymore, and that makes the offense super predictable because they're just gonna run these short passing plays and expect the playmakers to make to make a guy miss. Like, how many times today did we see them throw? It's second and nine, and they throw it five yards. Like, yeah, it's just it's the same old stuff. And and when you have a Brandon Banks, when you have a Braylon Addison, who can break those plays because they know exactly what you know. We saw it with Andy Fantuz when he was here too. You they would throw Andy Fantuz a five yard hitch route on a second and nine. He would make one guy miss, and he'd turn up field and, and get the first down. Like, and it's not as if he was Mister Electricity when it came to speed, you know. But yeah. they don't have that guy anymore. It's it's guys that they. Whether it's veteran savvy, whether it's the the knowing where you are on the field, like I don't know what it is exactly, but it's just uh, it's just it's just bad. It, it's it's just bad. Yeah, and, and you, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, Tim White's top ten in the league in receiving yards, and uh, up to this point, I I think you could would agree with me that we thought that Tim White wasn't having a very good year, and that's I think that's still true. But then I saw the numbers on his receiving yards is season so far and it's, i think it's in the 700s and that's that's pretty darn good you know um 10 or 11 games into the season so uh but it, it is very deceptive because these guys just haven't been good offensively while you're you talk about the receivers or the running backs the quarterbacks or anything like that but i will say that i think that you know one slim you know positivity is that i don't think the offensive line is a problem anymore and, and, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later with the trade that they made. But I think that going forward, we could have a solid offensive line for years to come. I actually kind of agree with you on that. Uh, like, it does feel as if they, the the one thing they didn't really address the offseason, they decided to address a bunch during the season. Yeah. And it does actually feel like it. maybe it's not going to be the best unit in the league, but it certainly feels like it's going to at worst be average and considering the, and we'll talk about the trade for David Beard, but he's under contract for next year. Brandon Revenberg, who's still good is under contract for next year. Uh, Who else? Chris Van Zyl, who maybe he's someone you can't rely on, but you don't really just because of age and injuries. Right. But he's under contract for next year. If if he's, if he's still, if he's able to stay healthy, he's still one of the best at his position. Uh, Coulter with Manzi is under contract for next year. Kyle Saxon and Colin Kelly, who are two guys that, that they traded for are free agents, but there's the possibility they could bring both those guys back. Now you got a pretty that, – that's a six-man offensive line that's pretty darn good, to be quite honest. If if they get coached up properly, that you go into the offseason not concerned about your offensive line, then you can do what this team has, has spent a lot of time doing the last couple of off-seasons, which is focusing elsewhere. How many times did we talk about – man, that you have – Speedy, you have Braylon Addison. Why did you sign Devere Posey? Right. And then they cut him without without ever him playing a game. Same with this year. It's like 
you have Siante Evans, you have Jamal Roll, you have Cario Brooks, you have Tunde Adelike, you brought back Richard Leonard, you bring in Alden Darby, great player, but now he's not even seeing the field. So it's like, there's almost seems to be with, with what the team's doing, whether it's making trades or whether it's the game day roster, that they're kind of admitting that they flubbed this past offseason when it came to where to make changes, where to make additions. You know what I mean? Like, if they would have focused on the offensive line and maybe found a go-to American receiver, maybe you go sign a Greg Ellingson and, and said, and this is no offense to the guys they did bring in. I, I really like Alden Darby. I can't say that enough. I think the fact that he's not playing is 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 something that speaks poorly of the evaluators on this team, on the coaching staff, on the front office, why he's not on the field. But if you don't go after him and maybe instead you go after a guy like uh, Greg Ellingson, no offense to Micah Johnson, but has if you you have Ted Laurent, you have Dylan Wynn, why do you need Micah Johnson? You know what I mean? Like if you if maybe if they would have put their focus somewhere else this offseason and they found that veteran receiver who maybe Evans wouldn't have been super familiar with, but is is good enough to go from system to system like a Greg Ellingson. Or or maybe I mean I know Brian Burnham signed prior to free agency, but maybe you you make overtures and try to get him. You know what I mean? Like you get that guy that you can kind of rely on to be the guy in, in key situations and maybe everything else works out better. Maybe you keep Jalen Acklin instead of letting him go to Ottawa. You know what I mean? Like there's right. It it certainly feels to me, and I know I'm being long winded here and I'm sorry about that, that this team is where it is. It's where it's at because they misevaluated their own talent and misevaluated where they needed to make upgrades for the team to be better this year than they were a year ago. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, when we talk about... And you know what, not to cut you off, but you were on this. I got to give you credit. You were on the Darby thing back when he signed. Like, I think we were both excited he signed, but it was one of those things where it's like, but why? You, I believe you mentioned this defense was good. Why are you trying to upgrade a defense that was pretty good last year when you have, and for you it was offensive line, Mm -hmm. and and now looking at it, it's also playmakers on offense. But I got to give you credit. You were on this way back when, when I was more... It, like I was more on board with what the team was doing, thinking that they had the, the players they needed. But credit to you, man. You were on the you were on this uh, way way earlier than I was, so you, you deserve a pat on the back for that one. I mean, not that it does any good because the team sucks, but hey, yeah. getting one thing right is at least nice, right? Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, it's it's always nice doing those prediction shows at the start of the season, and you get like one thing out of ten. You know, getting one thing is good. But yeah, I think that we both were on were on board when they let Brandon Banks go. We talked mm-hmm. about it earlier. And I think we weren't too concerned about letting Jalen Acklin go. I think we were nope. wrong about the Jalen Acklin thing, though. He's yep. proven that even in Ottawa, where Jeremy Mazzoli goes down, he's still producing with, you know, backup quarterbacks. So I think that was a mistake on their part. And and I'm completely with you. They, they over-evaluated the talents uh, in the receiving core. And it's, it's, it's cost them. And maybe, you know, the... I'm not giving up on Dane yet because I think that, you know, he has the yips. I think it's, it's a lot, it's a lot mental for him. And if I think even get over that and we get some better talent around him receiver wise, I think he might be okay. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe he is, uh, you know, one of these one year wonders, but I, I just, I'm just not ready to believe that yet. Oh, shoot. Got an uh, emergency alert there. Um, oh, in Alberta. Yeah, I think I'm probably with the guy with the uh, the stabbings and stuff. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to touch on uh, with this game, or you want to get to the Twitter questions? Um, well, I I, I want to have a I don't want to have a conversation, but we can. I I'll just give my two cents on the Dane thing. I don't think I'd throw the baby out with the bathwater there either, but I also don't know if you can bring him back at that salary. You know, like it's not. I I think maybe I've been overly harsh with him. I still don't think he's a top three quarterback in the league anymore. Uh, despite what we've seen, I, I think he is who he is. And I think he can still be a serviceable good, like he can be to this team, what McLeod Bethel Thompson is to the Argos, where it's like perfectly fine, not necessarily a guy that's going to win you the championship, but he can play well enough where he's not going to lose it for you either. You know what I mean? Like I, now that the Ticats are basically eliminated, my stupid weird brain is looking at the East and going, I mean, Toronto's getting to the Grey Cup, and when Toronto gets to the Grey Cup, they don't really lose. So the Argos are probably going to win the Grey Cup. McLeod Bethel-Thompson's going to be a starting quarterback of a Grey Cup champion. And I still don't think when they do that player list, 
you know, the, the top 50 players, he's mm-hmm. going to be anywhere close to the top 10. You know what I mean? Like there, I think we, sometimes you need the superstar quarterback to win, but I think in the CFL we've seen, if you have a guy that works well enough in your system and the Ticats are going to need a complete change to their system, quite honestly, uh, you can, you can win enough where you can get a championship out of it. So I, I again, I, I don't think that you just completely get rid of Dane, but if he, if he's not willing to restructure that contract, maybe you have to consider going, looking elsewhere. Cause there's, there's going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be a number of quarterbacks available this off season. Like Vernon Adams jr. Is probably going to be a free agent. If Nathan Rourke goes back to BC, there's no way they're going to, they're, they're, you're not, you're not going to have Vernon Adams be a backup, right? Bo Levi's probably out of Calgary. And even though I think he's kind of cooked, someone's out there is going to give him a bunch of money. And if Toronto decides to go after one of those guys, McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to be waiting. Like there's, I think there's going to be enough quarterbacks where you're going to have to have a legitimate conversation of, do we move on from Dane? Do I think they should? I'm not entirely like, is there an upgrade out there? Maybe, but I guess we'll have to wait and see how things kind of play out a, the rest of the season and B going into the off season. Yeah. It's, it's something that we didn't think we'd you know, have to deal with, you know, nope. going forward, the quarterback situation, you know, getting rid of Mazzoli last season, we thought that Dane was going to be the guy. And, and like, who wouldn't have thought Dane wasn't going to be the guy. And I'm not saying he's not going to be, but you know, it's, it's hard not to go well, all in on him when he had the season he did in 2019. Completely agree. He... I don't want to see any revisionist history of people mm-hmm. saying that, that they should have kept someone else or they should have signed someone else. If you're doing that, you're full of it. No, there was not a single person with any sort of credibility that said when the team made the decision to go with Dane Evans that it was the wrong choice. Some people may have said, oh, they kind of got a veteran team. Maybe you want to go with the veteran guy. But the vast majority, 95% of the comments were you go with, if they're even, you go with the guy that's five years as junior. So I don't, mm-hmm. there, there's going to be a lot of revisionist history on, on what people thought about going like, Oh, it was the wrong, wrong decision. I mean, I've made the comment that maybe the decision was neither quite honestly, because right. Mazzoli didn't look that great in Ottawa. When, even when he was healthy, Evans obviously looked very poorly playing this year for the tie cats. But if to, to, to hindsight being 2020, sure. But to, if anyone comes out and says, Oh no, this, I knew all along was, it was the wrong decision. They're full of it. No one was saying that seven, eight months ago. All right, let's dive into the, the Twitter comments now. Oh, got, this should be fun. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. We got one from Corey Allen. Uh, the good, I bet we raised a lot of food for the food drive, and that's that's probably true. I know that, that sure Hamilton uh, Hamilton is near the top of the list every season with the I, uh, the food drive. So Yeah, I think it was uh, over $160,000 worth of food for Hamilton Food Share. So, yeah, they did. Raised a hell of a lot amount of money for it. For I guess they had the biggest crowd ever there today. Yeah, yeah, over twenty five thousand, and it yeah. was, and it, it looked legitimate. Like I know when you watch on TV, you see a bunch of empty seats, but there were a lot of people standing in that in the in both end zones. There were a lot of people hanging on the concourse. There were more people sitting around me than I've normally had. Usually, my row is pretty empty. I sit pretty not not fairly high up, but I'm I'm on the I'm on the upper west side of the stadium, which is uh, not exactly the, like you know the bottom tiers are where most people go, right? But. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a good crowd. It was it, they were amped at the start of the game. It was it was it felt like a playoff game when the game started, and uh, yeah, they raised a ton of money today. So yeah, it was a good thing. Sorry. Anyway, what what what? That was first thing. What else do we got to talk about? The bad. That was, that was a good. <laughs> the bad. About everything else. The good. <laughs> yeah, the, the bad second half collapse. Uh, the ugly. What was it? One point on offense, maybe zero. I think it was zero, Corey. Uh, Crossover looking more and more possible each week. Oh, yeah, crossover, I think that, crossover yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from Rob Hayes, 63. This team is done. Coach O shows zero emotion the entire game. That third and one call was at the was the end of the game. Our offense can't drive the field. Punt it and hope our defense can hold them instead of giving the ball to the Argos on the 30. Yeah, you know what, uh, though? Yep, I, I don't disagree with the call to go for it. It's third in the yard. It's the CFL. They just didn't execute. I don't have a problem with that call. Yeah, that's fair enough. They, they, they they just had a, they've had a problem with executing that QB sneak all season long. Yeah. It's like, do something else, man. Do yeah. something else. You've been stuffed so many times. So I agree with you. I like I like them going for it on third and one. But 
try something else for god's sakes yeah well um, here's the thing on third and one almost almost universally on third and one i'm going for it you yep. get a yard off the ball there's no excuse not to make that play every now and then a team should be able to like it's going to happen team's going to stop you. you've seen the ticat stop people we've seen every team in the league get stuffed on third and one but the vast majority of the time you're going to pick it up to me that's i mean the, the game was over i think before that anyway but I mean, that, that's, that's my pessimistic ass saying like, oh, I mean, I thought the game was over before it started, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah. But it, just yeah. because it's Labor Day, you think something else is going to happen. I, no, I, I think the, the decision to go for it was, was a sound one. They were losing. What's the, what do you have left to lose? At the, whether you lose by seven or you lose by 14 or you lose by 20, what, what difference does it make? I will agree that Coach O kind of seems just out of it on the sidelines sometimes. Oh, it's just man. Like- you, getting hit by a bus like he just doesn't know you know what's going on uh i know you and i talked about this we texted about it because we didn't do a show this week but the uh which i think i actually think the team has deleted the tweet and delete i don't even know if the video's up but at the end of the media scrum that he had earlier this week he just kind of goes off on 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 steve milton for mm-hmm. asking questions just like is it is it getting to him like I understand the losses piling up would get to anybody. They get to fans, obviously, and 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 if fans are upset, imagine how the players and the coaches and the whole organization feels. You're you're coming off back to back Grey Cup appearances, and now you can't get out of your own way, and you're losing up seems almost every week. But it it does certainly feels as if like he's not handling this very well. Like right. stay emotionless on the sidelines. He's he's now yelling at reporters. Like it's just it's a bad scene here, man. It's a bad scene. Yeah, it makes me wonder. You know how he'd handle something losing in, you know, the, maybe the NCAA or the, or the NFL where there's not only two reporters asking you questions yeah. after games, you know, there's, it's a lot more pressure. So yeah, it's, uh, it seems that he's not doing, he's not handling it so well. I mean, he's only known success basically his whole playing career and coaching career. So it must be tough for him. Yeah. Do uh, you think, do you think maybe wearing, he's wearing too many hats? Like I know they gave him the president of football operations title. Pardon me, presidents of football operations title as like a way to keep him from going to. Like everyone assumed after last year he was going to become the defensive coordinator at the University of Washington because of who got hired there as head coach and all that other sort of stuff didn't end up happening. But they did give him that that title and they gave him a pay raise. Like, do you think it's all just too much? Like, there's there's very few people who can handle. We've seen a lot of good coaches and a lot of good general managers try to do both. And, and not succeed. Do you think it's maybe, I know he's surrounded himself with some good people there. You, you've talked about it. We've talked about it. There's a bunch of guys in this front office that could be general managers elsewhere. Has he, has he bitten off two more than he can chew? Is that why this is getting to him? Cause he's got to wear so many different hats now. I think that may be part of it. Um, you know, I have a couple, you know, um, ideas on my, what it might be. We have a lot of minds, uh, in this coaching staff and and on this team, and maybe there's too many cooks in the kitchen. I was maybe ask, you think it's too many cooks in the kitchen situation. It could be. You know, I ask myself when I'm watching games on TV, and they show Tommy Condell in the booth, and you have um, Casey Crehan over his shoulder, and I'm just thinking, what are they doing with him? Like, why is he here? He's been a defensive coach his whole career. Why is he on the offensive side of the ball? Why is he looking over Tommy Condell's shoulder this whole time? Like he. I just don't understand some of the, these hires, like especially that one. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it may be Coach O, you know, maybe the guys underneath him are letting him down a little bit. I mean, we talked about Tommy Condell. We talked about Mark Washington. Maybe the guys underneath him aren't helping out very much at all either. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a definitely a fair criticism. Definitely a fair criticism. I guess we'll know at the end of the year when they – because the, there's no way they can just run this back, right? Like there's going to be some changes. I don't know if, if – or Einhauer is going to get fired, but there, there's got to be some changes in the end of the on the coaching side of things because there's there's just the only coach in my estimation that has earned I won't say earned his paycheck but has earned the right to return next year without question is Craig Butler. I think special teams has been it wasn't great today, but I think special teams for the most part has been has been really good. Like when Lawrence Woods was out there returning kicks, I thought that they they'd done well. They they still do a heck of a job on kick returns like punts and kick return kick coverage it's really good like i i think he's really the only guy that if i was to if i was in charge of this team he'd be the one guy that i would keep unquestionably other than that i would definitely be looking to make upgrades at the other two spots yep everything has to be evaluated this offseason and you know barring a miracle 
um, which is not going to happen. And they would pull off like six wins in a row or something. But even then, you'd pro- you just still have to evaluate everything that uh, that's gone on this season and every coach and every player and everybody in the organization. Uh, the next one comes from Tiger Sammy. Who do you think we're going to take in the number one pick in the 2023 CFL draft? <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, I, there's still the possibility they don't get the first pick. Ottawa's, I know they've won two in a row, but I don't no, I don't think the Red Blacks are that good. So maybe we get the second pick in the draft, not the first. And I mean, Edmonton's Edmonton's in fire sale mode for crying out loud. Like yeah. they, so, they threw in a towel a couple of weeks ago. They've just been, you know, giving away all their players. It seems yeah. so. They uh, this season's a wash for them. Yeah. So uh, at, yeah. at worst, we're picking third, though. From Chris Sanislo, that was pure garbage. Not sure how a team in a game this big with a record crowd comes out and plays as shitty as that. Zero offensive points. Yeah, I mean, again, like I think they came out kind of fired up, and then when you when you realize you just don't got the horses to to pull it off, things just start to unravel, right? From Adam Consoli, starting our third string QB and sprinkling in our fourth string. This is about what I expected. The worst part is there is still a chance of getting into second place. No. The Ticats are my abusive girlfriend, and I keep coming back for more. <laughs> I mean, there's. There, I mean, there, they are only one game back of second place. I mean, it's not impossible. I get what you're saying, and it's like we don't deserve to be in the playoffs, but the reality is they're one win to being tied for second place which is just sad. Yeah, I mean... Is it time yeah, for one guess, division? Are you the time? Is it, have you given up on this two-division thing? Or is this just an anomaly? I... You know what? I, I honestly... Because here's, here's the thing about the two divisions. Because people say, like, oh, look at Saskatchewan. If they were in the East, they'd be in first place. Okay, but if they were in the East, would they be... Would they be the record they have, or would they also be terrible? Because like Winnipeg, oh, if Winnipeg was in the East, look what they would. Winnipeg should have stayed in the East after Ottawa came in, because look what they would have done. But Winnipeg, when they were in the East, sucked. Like you know what I mean? I, I think there's just there's a curse over this division, and right. I think no matter what happens, you're just not allowed to have more than one good team or one competent team at a time. Okay, so you're saying if you take <laughs> you take the BC Lions with Nathan Rourke as a starting quarterback, stick him in the East, and they're trash because... They would have, they would have, fa- they would have found, they found a, way a way to screw it up. Right, there you go. Well, I, like I mean, Rick Campbell, Rick Campbell, their head coach, was the head coach, looked like a genius out in BC when he was in Ottawa. They were, I don't even think they were above 500. Yeah. Like, I think they went above 500 twice in the six years, five years he was the head coach there. Like, I'm so I, I again. It's it's silly. It's obviously not real. There's there's just I don't know why the East teams consistently stay bad. But in my mind, there's just a hex over the division, and that's why they're so. That's why this is just the worst division year in and year out. From at Jeremy zero zero eight seven. Why did Evans dress if he wasn't going to see the field? I that has been bugging me. The two times that he's been in uniform, I think it was away at Montreal, and then this one. If he's if he's healthy enough to suit up, why is he not playing? Because if the, if the worst case scenario happens and both the quarterbacks that are ahead of him on the depth chart get hurt, guess what? He's going into the game. So if he's good enough to go in the game as, as a relief pitcher, why is he not healthy? Like, if, you, if you're wearing a uniform, you should be able to go on the field. And if he's able to go on the field, why isn't he starting? I don't understand it. From Professor John Miller, SD, uh, 2023, you keep Evans or Schultz. Uh, who's worth develop- developing between Newman and Morton? I, you know, as good as Matthew Schultz has looked, I'm, I'm actually curious about your opinion on this. I mean, I, I guess we've talked about the Dane thing a bit. I, don't, I think Schultz is good, but I don't think Schultz is the guy that you make your starting quarterback full-time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he's, he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's someone that you make your franchise guy. As yeah. for the the backups, I think I I think I keep Jamie Newman. I think there's a pedigree there. Big big high school recruit that went to the University of Georgia, then ended up at Wake Forest. Like he had NFL first round, like NFL buzz. Like oh, he's going to play a few years in college. He's mm-hmm. he's that good. He's going to be a first round draft pick in the NFL. And then things just kind of didn't go his way. I think he out of those two can be the better better long-term prospect. I would keep Newman. What about you? I'm curious for your opinions on this. You know, I've been a big Evans guy for, you know, since the, since he's been here, since he's 
throwing his first pass as a tie cat, basically. And uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what Schiltz is. He's shown me some really mm-hmm. good things, and he's been uh, um, questionable at times. You know, inconsistent. But listen, if I had a choice, I'd keep them both. I don't think. Well, I yeah. Think, that would be nice, right? I I just think if you can restructure Evans' contract, um, I know it's easier said than done, but for sure, um, I would like to keep them both. But if I had to choose one, I I'd stick with Evans. Um, I just think that he's shown so much at one point in his career that I don't want to give up on him too soon, and then we go somewhere else and does really well. So I think we we stick with him if we have to choose between the two. And uh, as as for developing someone. I, I'm with you. I'd go with Newman. Um, I just haven't seen anything from Morden that makes me excited. Newman looks a little bit better out there. He's a little bit more mobile, in my opinion. He has a strong arm. So, yeah, I, I would go with Newman. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. On, I'm with you on Evans too. It's like if you're telling me I have to pick one or the other, everything. Be, I, I think I'd side with Evans too because I think we know what he's capable of when he's at his peak versus with Schiltz, he's still a little bit of an unknown. And I think as a guy who's 30 being a bit of an unknown is a little, I, I, I think he's an unknown, but we know what he is. And I still, I stand by my, my assertion that he's a, he's a good player. He's, he's a fine kind of, Oh, we need him for four to six games. I just don't think he's someone that you hand a franchise quarterback contract to. Whereas with Evans, I like, Again, the revisionist history, I'm, we're not going to get into it because it's it, anyone who says otherwise, when they handed him $400,000 in, in January, no one batted an eye. And no, I, and people, in fact, thought that was a good deal. Thought it was, thought know, it was a only, deal. Yeah, to only pay him $400,000 the way that he came into this league. Um, you know, it's been a long time since a player, well, I guess we saw it this year with Rourke, but, you know, he came into the league and, and lit it on fire. And now he's just he just needs some help at the receiving and he just needs to get over what he's going through right now. And I think he will be okay, but we'll just have to wait and see. I agree. Uh, I agree. From at Hammy a hole. Uh, I don't blame Newman guys. Reps are limited before this week. Honestly, coaching costs us this game. Not the first time, not taking a timeout on the time clock violation is on Orlando and going for it on third and one in our zone was on Orlando. Yeah, but the thir- we've discussed certain ones, so we won't get into that again. That was the right call, in my opinion. The not calling a timeout on the time count, like, yeah, I, I, I put that on the. I mean, we, we've kind of discussed these points, honestly. Like, we, I do think, I think, I think there was execution issues, especially offensively, and yeah, I think coaching was a was a major demerit in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm with him that I, I'm. We don't blame Newman at all. I mean, he, no. he did, you know, he did his job. He did okay, and you know. It wasn't here's the, here's, on the, at all. here's the thing. If I tell you to your face, I'm going to steal your wallet, and then I steal your wallet, you can't be surprised when I stole your wallet. Like, mm-hmm. we knew going into this game, they're starting a rookie quarterback. This is going to be rough. So when the rookie quarterback struggles, and this is why I didn't agree with them pulling him from the game. When he struggles, you can't be surprised. Like, how, like you said, how, we just mentioned it with Dane and Rourke, like how many guys come into this league and light it up from day one? You can count them on one hand. How many guys have been able to do that in the last thirty years? So, it, it he he performed. Would I've liked him to be better? Of course, I, I think everyone watching that game would have liked him to be better. But he did about as well as he could given the limitations he was dealing with. From uh, Chauncey B, fire everyone. Who cares anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's got to coach. Someone's got to. <laughs> someone's got to play. So, I mean, we I guess we could go out there with with literally nobody. And I mean that would have been just as entertaining, I guess, as today was. Uh, from our buddy Claudio, it's just a meme that says this is going to be a effing nightmare. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, it already is. Yeah. It's going to be. What the hell is this now? Oh, my God. I wonder if he meant to the show. <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, Jared Breyer. Uh, nothing worth getting angry about anymore. Same problems as every other game. They hit bottom last week, so everything is on. So everything on it is just watching the team bleed out. That's pretty much great, it, Yeah, I can't like I like I said, we know what this team is. We know what to expect. Like you can't be disappointed when they give you exactly what you think they're going to give you. So that's nah, spot on. Uh, from JLab sixty one, I'm at a loss. Clearly, Josh is correct. This team isn't that good. I got nothing. Oh, can you say that again? What was that part about me being correct? I know, right? <laughs> wow. 
No, the team isn't very good. They're not. Nope. It, it, Awful. They're three, uh, they're three and nine. There, no, there's no. I don't. I, I never. I never like that. Oh, the teams are better than their record. And I also no. don't like. Oh, you are what your record says you are. This just. This is literally a bad football team. Like they play Winnipeg in a couple of weeks, and I don't think there's a point spread large enough that wouldn't have me take the Bombers now. And Winnipeg's going to beat these guys by fifty. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Uh, from our buddy Jim Martin, this team is done. No way, we're a contender after today. Uh, need to be looking at players for next year. We didn't even get close to an attempt at field goal. Defense kept it close, but the O just kept failing and giving the ball directly to Toronto. Time to blow it all up. So they do a player interview going into the locker room at halftime, and they interviewed Mason Bennett. And they asked him, what does the team need to do? Because it was 8-8 at halftime. What does the team need to do to win? And you know what his answer was? The defense needs to score. And it's like, good Lord, if you are saying that – you know exactly what the offense is incapable of. It was just one. It made me chuckle at the time because I was like, even at eight eight, I was like, they're not going to win this game. But it's like, oof. if if the players in the team are saying that, like, yeah, that's that's, that's, a, little, that's a little hot under the collar, if you will. Yeah. Uh, from Chopper Vic should have left Newman in the whole game, uh, especially back in on the third and one or hand off to Thomas Ellington on that one, change the game. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we completely agree. We've, we've talked about the, that decision to take Newman out for a couple of series was uh, illogical at best, so completely agree. From two lines, pass. Good luck promoting anything after today's game. Uh, that guy appears to be an Argos fan. I'm good luck, really sure good luck promoting? Yeah, it says good luck promoting anything after today's game. Pro- I don't really know what that means. I, but- don't, I don't understand, but all right. Uh, ba, ba, ba. Oh, you mean because they were promoting violence before the game with that with that video? Oh, oh right. maybe, maybe that's what he means. Yeah, oh, the, okay. Argo fans were pretty upset about that one earlier this week, but yeah. Well, you know what? When when old people complain about stuff, and as a resident old guy, because I'm now over forty, so I I think I technically classify as old. Just because you don't understand the new cool thing that the kids are doing doesn't mean it's wrong. So just. If you don't know what it is, shut your mouth and let the kids have fun. That's all I'm going to say about it. From Ticat705, Banks was clutch when he needed to be today. That's what we need. I mean, he had, he had probably his best game this season. He had that one big touchdown uh, catch, and then he had a, another touchdown catch that, you know, he played well today. What, what can we say? Yeah, he, 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 was, he was fine, but, I mean – if you look at how he's performed over the whole season, and I've, I don't know if I've watched every Argos game, but I've definitely watched most of them. He's been maybe a tad better than he was a season ago, but he, he's not the player he was when he was the MOP in 2019. That's that, that Brandon Banks is gone now. So it, Piccolo Papa, Piccolo Papa says Ticat fan for over 60 years. I had zero interest in watching today's game. Well, you didn't miss much, Pickerel. No, no. I mean, I've we've been down this road with some bad teams before. Uh, twenty seventeen was pretty bad. Two thousand three obviously was awful. I'm never not going to watch the games, but it's definitely it's it tough. It's it, tough it, watching it some of these games. It doesn't make. I'm not. Let me let me put it to you this way, and I, I'm sure we're going to get some. And maybe I'll get some myself personally about this. I'm way more looking forward to the start of the NFL season on Thursday than I am any Ty Cats game the rest of the year. I mean, yeah, like what's what's there to be excited about? I no. mean, I don't blame you. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm with you. I'm going to watch every game. You know, if we're doing this show or we're not doing this show, but uh, I'm not. I'm not having fun watching it, but I'm going to watch it. Uh, next one comes from Rob Scott, twenty four. Uh, it says Jackson ineffective, Durant invisible, Tim bad drop on deep pass, Poppy lost on punt returns, Dunbar big bounce off his shoulder pads for INT, Condell play calling stunk again and ridiculous QB change, defense mediocre, bright spot question mark, Seth Small was perfect. <laughs> Rob is one of the nicest and probably most positive but realistic people that I've ever met. So for him to be that negative should tell you – for anyone that knows Rob, Rob is a great, great dude. Hosts a tailgate at uh, out, out 
uh, before Ty Cats Games. Fantastic person, one of the gr- nicest people I've ever met. If he's being that negative, you know it's gotten bad. You know it's gotten bad, and it has gotten bad. This team's terrible. Uh, from at the Jason, does he all need another year as assistant head coach under June Jones? <laughs> That's an interesting. <laughs> yeah, bring back June Jones and yeah, do the little switcheroo. Um, let's see anything else we got here. Looks like that's it, my friend. Um, So, yeah, we got through the comments. Now we just have to talk about this trade that happened earlier on in the week since we didn't do a show. Uh, The Hamilton Tiger Cats traded for offensive lineman David Beard and a conditional fourth-round pick in the 2023 Canadian Football League draft in exchange for national offensive lineman Jesse Gibbon and a second-round draft pick in the 2023 CFL draft. Uh, Beard is 29 years old. He's played 94 games over seven seasons in Edmonton, including 10 starts this season at center. Uh, he's six foot five, 320 pounds. Basically, he's a, he's a proven starter along the offensive line in this league. Uh, what do you make of this trade, Josh? So, first off, the thing that I think needs to be said is this was another steal by the Ticats from Edmonton. This seems to be a recurring theme when it comes to these two teams trading. David Beard is arguably the best center in football, in the Canadian Football League. He was more than likely going to be the West Division All-Star and probably CFL All-Star at center. And the Ticats got him for a second-round pick and a rotational offensive lineman who they took with the second overall pick but never panned out. And the thing with, with Gibbon, too, is like I – he, he went to my old high school. He's from Hamilton. There's nobody who wanted to see him succeed more than, aside from his own family, than maybe I did because of his pedigree. Because it's just, to me, it's cool that I, my, the high school that I, that I played offensive line at produced a, a CFL player that was playing for the hometown team. That, that's just, that, it's one of those things that you like about the Canadian Football League is you, the Canadians get a chance, and when, especially when they're hometown guys, right? But he never developed into – he had chance after chance to take a starting position for his own. Never happened. The team made all these trades to address the offensive line recently, bringing in Kyle Saxlid, Colin Kelly, and now David Beard because he never developed into that player. If David Beard was available this year in the draft, knowing what we know about David Beard, and the, the Elks came to them and he was available with the, with the pick that the Ticats were going to send, they said, we will, we will trade you. You can, you can have our pick. To select David Beard for Jesse Gibbon, you do that in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? Like, this is probably not going to mean much this year. But like we said when we were talking about uh, offensive line play earlier when we were discussing the game, this sets them up really nicely to not have to address this in the offseason. They have a center now. He's under contract for next year. I know there's been some, uh, some debate about that. Let's end that debate now. He is under contract for next season. He will be, barring being traded, he will be a Hamilton Tiger Cat next year. Revenberg signed for next year. Like, I, like they have the makings of an offensive line going into next season where now they don't have to think about that position. They can go elsewhere. So, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's going to do anything this season. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he'll be the starter when they come back because they'll have had a couple of. He's, he I think he got in the game today, actually. He did, he did get in the game today, and he was, he was one of their offensive linemen today, but he'll be starting when they play yeah. the Bombers because he's going to have had more time to get acclimated to what this team does offensively. So, again, it'll make the offensive line better. The rest of the team around him, however, doesn't really make mean that'll make anything. Mm-hmm. But this uh, to me, this sets them up for next season, and this is them looking ahead to next season because I don't think... You want to talk talk about people checking out? They host a Grey Cup next year. If this team doesn't make strides to at least get back into the conversation of a Grey Cup contender, this uh, you you could see people start checking out this time again next year. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a <clears throat> I think it's a great move. You know, you know me. I'm I'm all about the offensive line, and I would have liked them to do this maybe in the off season and come into the season with a strong offensive line. But either way, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think it, this sets up them nicely for next year. 
it seems that the offensive line is always a concern going into the season. So this 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 puts some stability and some depth. You know, they got a lot of good talent along that offensive line now. And I know that uh, Gibbon was younger than Beard, but Beard's only 29. If if he wants to continue playing football and he's not, you know, there's no injury problems, offensive linemen can play into the late 30s. Same with Kelly. I know he's around the same age, maybe a couple years older than Beard, but he could play for a long time as well. So this sets them up nicely for the future. And, and you're right, they have to, because yes, they made it to the Grey Cup uh, last year in front of their home crowd, but it was very disappointing way they lost. So I'm sure they're going to want to get back again and uh, and make things right. So that's just one less thing we'll have to worry about going into the offseason. Well, and the thing is, like you said, barring injury or his lack of desire to play football again, if he likes it here in Hamilton and they are able to keep him, he could be here for a decade. Chris Van Zyl is nearly 40, and he's still playing. And when he plays, he still plays at a high level. Injuries have obviously caught up to him. But Beard, again, he's, a, he's an Alberta guy. Sherwood Park, Alberta. He played, went to the University of Alberta. Like it, the, the Elks trading him makes no sense, to be quite honest with you. Like that's a guy, in my opinion, that if you're if you're Edmonton, that's someone you keep, especially to get a, a second round draft pick. Like mm-hmm. Vernon Adams got traded. I know we're not going to really go, go deep into the Vernon Adams trade, but Vernon Adams got traded to a desperate team in BC because they need quarterback help because. They're a legitimate Grey Cup contender, and all that cost them was a first-round pick. You're telling me a, a developmental, a still developmental offensive lineman, and a second-round pick is all that it gets, all that it takes to get an All-Star caliber player. Like, I, I just, I don't understand this trade from Edmonton's perspective. I, I completely understand it from Hamilton's, but from Edmonton's perspective, it makes absolutely no sense to me. You trade a hometown guy for that? Like, that's, I don't get it. No, a guy that's 29 in his prime. Uh, you know, a guy you can lean on while you're rebuilding a team. And I, I get that Chris Jones is, you know, making this a Chris Jones team. But I just think there's so much value in keeping a guy like that around while you're doing the rebuild and build around him. So, yeah, they, he's given up, you know, three very good offensive linemen to Hamilton this year. <laughs> yeah, he has. And, like, is, is Chris Jones magic kind of wearing off? Like, I didn't expect much of Edmonton this year. It, it reminded me a lot of that That Saskatchewan team he took over. He goes in there, kind of guts the team. But he did that in the offseason. He gutted the team and, and got some guys some some playing time. But he didn't really gut, as far as I remember, the offensive line. Like, when no. you have good Canadian offensive linemen, I feel like those are the types of guys that you got to hang on to. They bring in Mark Corte, who is, like, best friends with David Beard. And it's like, I just don't understand their – rationale what they're thinking in Edmonton what Jones is thinking to make this deal but from Hamilton's perspective there it's it's a, it was an excellent move whether like I said I don't think it's going to mean much of anything this season but going forward for next year it's the building blocks of perhaps getting this back on track in 2023 all right so just to put a a bow on this episode of the uh, post-game instant reaction show. The Tiger Cats lose 28-8 on the Labor Day Classic. Uh, they dropped to 3-9 and nine on the season, and, and they're just uh, a terrible football team. I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. I'm Josh Smith. Eat them raw.